Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and it's been 5,868 days since we last sat atop the AFL ladder. The inspirational Neil Danaher was our coach. David Neitz was our captain. Russell Robertson was our leading goal kicker that year. Nathan Jones had yet to be drafted to the club, and current-day Demon rookies Luke Jackson and Cozzy Pickett were just three years old. Joining uh, us tonight, uh, returning to the Demon Lab podcast, George. Good evening, George. How are you? Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Binman. Good evening, everybody. I feel very privileged to be back here tonight. Based on my footy tipping this week, I've obviously got no idea about football, but uh, here we are again. I've been absolutely terrible at footy tipping this year. I, I can't get the Ds right. I got them right this week, <laughs> but nearly didn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not not one of those guys who who always necessarily picks the Ds. If I think we're not going to win, um, I won't pick them. But uh, yeah, across the board, I've got no idea this year. It's um, very hard. Also joining us tonight, Big Man. Good evening, Big Man. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demon Landers. And um, my tipping is actually mirroring um, the Demons' performance. I'm on top of my tipping. Um, comp, so I'm flying um, just parallels. <laughs> I've picked Melbourne in every week, I think, except I didn't pick us against Richmond. So, um, yeah, uh, it's um, doing well in both camps, tipping and um, the Ds. We've automatically got uh, seven tips right there <laughs> that uh, I probably uh, have missed out on five tips because uh, I didn't uh, I didn't back us, uh, but that's on me. Uh, I'll just preface uh, our show tonight just to let people know that I've uh, been driving for nine hours today. Uh, so if I uh, sound a bit out of it, um, that's why. Um, guys, uh, let's get started here. I, I thought it, it was such a, a Melbourne effort to come out looking uh, so flat when before the game we were gifted the opportunity to win and, and then take top spot being a match clear uh, and we also had some other results go our way to, that create a little bit of a buffer from some of the other contenders. And when we came out flat, uh, yeah, that was the most, for me, my MFCSS was was raging. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, not happy. Um, uh, Bim Man, um, you, you know, you're the, the glass half full man. I said it last week. I'm sure you were very calm and collected. Um was that the case? Uh, yeah, on the whole, I mean, I, I wasn't shocked that we came out flat. For me, you know, it's I think that it's a mark of where we came, uh, where we're at, and it's a sort of reflecting back on our conversation last week about what's changed and where where are we? You know, I thought, you know, we would have lost that game two years ago, and we did, didn't we? They showed on the Fox coverage our. Um, recent four or five games down there and like each of them more horrible than the next um so you know we didn't have a good history down there and you know you're gonna have um an off period i thought at half time um you know that we were definitely gonna kick into gear so i wasn't particularly concerned i was getting more concerned in that last quarter though because we were seemingly in control of the game all through that third quarter um but remarkably with um, nine minutes, 37 seconds to go on the clock. It was six points down when we had that um, uh, free kick not paid against May, which I thought was a pretty clear in the back, to be honest. And we whisked it up the other end of the ground and I think uh, ended up Fritter kicking his sixth goal. Um, to Basically, the game was over at that point. But, you know, nine minutes to go and they're still in it. Um, and when they got that third goal late, 
to sort of, you know, that takes time to get that, to get back into the game, doesn't it? Um, and I was a bit frustrated with a couple of the efforts. But, yeah, no, I wasn't concerned that we would lose it still. Um, and uh, I thought it was a pretty, you know, we'll talk about it through the through the show, but actually, you know, enjoyed the win, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I did too. I think it was more uh, relief for me uh, that I enjoyed it. Um, I just, you know, I wanted to bank that four points. But, it, it, George, it was a tale of two halves. Uh, I liked the first, but, you know, the last week against the Tigers, it was that first 15 minutes. Um, this week for the first half, I was absolutely shitting myself. Um, and But, you know, this time the, the, it lasted until we had wrestled back control in the third quarter. Um, were you, uh, George, were you worried? Um, where, where was your head at? Did you think we'd be able to right the ship and, and get back in the contest or...? or I think we've learnt um, that at, at any point in the game there will be changes in momentum. Um, one team will be up and, and the other team will be down. But I think what really affected us in this game was actually the, the structures we've talked about in the last couple of weeks and it's been obvious from the coaching report, coaching interviews that structures and, and role-playing has become very, very important for the side and the success of the side. And uh, I think what happened in, early on in this game, there was a number of things. Firstly, Viney going out um, and the replacements weren't necessarily like for like. Um, the ex- early injury to Tomlinson, again, who do you, who do, did we have to swing into his position to play the role? Um, and I think what happened was um, because that happened so early, those things happened so early in the game and there were consequential, consequential actions um, throughout the whole uh, field, uh, and I'll use the example of um, uh, Baker coming in to the side. Well, he's basically a basically had only played as a winger. That meant we had to push Brayshaw somewhere else. So again, you can see the structures being moved around the ground, and I think it took us a half to actually get those structures in place again um, during the game. Um, but when you've got a team that's um, running hard and hopeful and, and trying to get ahead and they got the momentum with them like North Melbourne had, um, then obviously you're going to be behind on the scoreboard. We got our structures in place. It became obvious, um, certainly in that third quarter, uh, the coach said at halftime uh, that um, we were losing all over the ground. Uh, we had to get things right and they did. And I was really impressed with a number of the changes they did make uh, at halftime in particular and probably just before halftime that got the ship back righted. And as soon as the ship was righted, um, it was game over from there. Although we, it, coming back from three goals down, even though you kicked five goals, I think it was in the third quarter, you only just got your nose in front. And it's not surprising that um, uh, North were within striking distance in the in the last quarter but um, I think we will we need to get those structures right particularly against sides like North and we'll see it again this week with Sydney teams that play the old rope a dope chip chip the ball around type of game you've got to have your structures right to defend against that style of play and to sort of I totally agree with all of those points and um, I also think Tomlinson going out definitely sort of disrupted their back six and we didn't respond um, 
sort of as well as we did in terms of that structure is um, when May went out uh, against Geelong. And I think that sort of points to the, how important that lockdown role um, at full, almost true full back that Tomlinson's been playing is in terms of allowing May and Lever um, to to play the way they do and in particular Lever zoning off and being such a, sort of a key intercept player. Um, that was definitely a, a big factor and I totally agree. And um, I thought Baker didn't have a good first half and he was I, I was sort of frustrated with a few of his um, disposals but more his decisions he went for goal at one point where he had I think um, T-Mac in the, uh, the forward pocket and he just made some sort of crucial errors in of decision making in that first half and you know I can understand maybe it's sort of he gets his chance and maybe he's thinking this is my chance to cement the spot but uh, you know, I thought it was a strange selection and um George, I don't know. I didn't pick it up where they ended up playing. Gus is did he play in the middle? He moved. He moved into the middle. I mean, this is the unfortunate thing of watching it on television. But he definitely moved into the middle um, for a guy who hasn't played in the middle effectively all this season. And, yeah. And, and this is all about the role playing. You know, you play a different style on the on the wing to what you do in the middle, as, oh, as Gus totally. has proven. Well, uh, and I was a bit. Because I, I said on Demonland before that I didn't think they'd do that. I, I'd be really surprised for that exact reason is that he's bettered down a position that's taken him a bit of time to get used to and to um, you know to to make it his uh, and not a not an easy position either because you're often out of the play and you're asked to be you know sort of deep defensive at one stage and then you know on a, on a wing where the ball doesn't come down at the next. Um, maybe they wanted to see give Baker a good chance to show that he could be a wingman, but he, he didn't take his chance. He had a better second half, to be fair to him. Um, the other thing, I think, with Tomlinson going out, he was super distraught. Um, and I, I, I think it rattled the team, to be honest, because um, he was on the bench and they made comment about it. Um, he was in tears. He came to the quarter-time huddle, um, still clearly emotionally, um, as, as you'd expect. I mean, it just must, it was just horrible thinking in ACL. All the players know it. Um, it's 12 months out of the game pretty much, isn't it? Well, certainly the rest of this season out. Um, so, you know, he was shattered. I think his defenders, they're obviously a strong unit back there. Hibbert looked shattered. May looked shattered. So, you know, I think they took a little time to recover from that because that was, I think, only at the five-minute mark. Yeah. But the, the key thing for me, you're right on the structure. I think that's... The key thing is um, pressure, and and two games, our game and the Richmond Dogs game, to me, really highlighted how critical pressure is in footy, and it's the one variable that um, you know you're in control of to an extent. You can't do much about your lack of talent, apart from drafting players in and, and building and developing a team over a number of years, as we have. Um, you can control how much pressure you apply, and they applied more pressure in the first half and we were way off our um, game. You could tell um, that was what you were saying, Andy. We weren't sort of in the game right from the beginning and that's going to happen. It's hard to stay up at this level. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, the teams that were winning six, seven, eight, nine in a row, like, you know, they could go through a game with half at half rat power uh, and still crush Melbourne by 60 points. That, is, that just doesn't happen in footy these days and, and I thought North's pressure was heaps better than ours, and uh, that was the biggest factor. And as soon as we started ramping it up, it's like you said a couple of weeks ago, George. You know, as soon as that, you know, we got the sledgehammer cracking the nut, then you know they were going to crack eventually. Um, but yeah, you know, we were just not up to 
where we want to be with our pressure level. And all all credit to them, they they were. And um, Cunnington was going crazy with his pressure and possessions. And um, you know, they they that was a great sort of example of pressure. As the dogs game was, as soon as um, we might talk about it a bit later, but as soon as Richmond up the pressure, Andy in the second half, that really was a sort of telling example of of how powerful that level of pressure on the ball carrier is. And in terms of the structure, I think that it can't be undersold either how important the pressure on the ball carrier is to our game plan because if you don't pressure the ball carrier, like the the two goals they got early in that first quarter, there was no pressure on the on the play kicking it inside 50 and they got clean um, looks straight inside 50, no problems. And so, you know, a bit of pressure on the ball carrier uh, and then that suddenly becomes an intercept mark to lever. Um, it's just you know, we're, we're not going to win games of footy without bringing that pressure every week, but that's going to be a challenge for the full season. That's the that's the sort of it's a marathon, not a sprint. They were their game was sort of reminiscent of our sort of a decade ago, or you know the the Neil sort of era, or just before then, where we would um, sort of maybe be good for for a half a game and and then just get absolutely rolled. Um, I saw a lot of comments on Demon Land and more so on social media lamenting our performance, particularly in the first half again against the bottom team who on more than one occasion this year have been smashed from pillar to post. Uh, many were critical, some even claiming that we didn't deserve to win the match and I've, I've got to disagree wholeheartedly, you know. It, it, and, George, you, you talked about this. You know, it's disappointing that we didn't get the percentage boost that we wanted, but, uh, you know, banking the four points is, is paramount and uh, we did that despite the the adversity which you mentioned, George. Uh, you know, we, we're playing interstate on the ground that we've had difficulty getting a win at uh, and, you know what, that's whatever, that's fine. You've got to deal with that. Viney being the laid out, Baker comes in. As you mentioned, George, not like for like. I would have preferred Sparrow, um, but that was obviously not possible with him having played the game uh, at uh, Casey. Tomlinson goes down the first five minutes. B-Man, you mentioned it's thrown off all of our matchups. It's taken us a while to get that rhythm back. Um, You know, Ben Brown, it's his first game with the team and and it's going to take a while for for him to adapt and form that synergy with the rest of the team. You know, we've faced all that adversity and to be able to steady the ship and win comfortably in the end, I'll I'll take that in the end. That's that's got to be um that's got to be win out. 100% I think I said it on the podcast last week is in some respects, you know, I'd prefer this win than us beating them by 70 points. What does that mean, beating them by 70 points? Um, you know, the messaging now from Goodwin can be if you don't bring – I mean, it's obvious. I, I didn't even listen to his press. I knew what he was going to say. Um, I finally did. But was, you know, on any day if you don't bring your pressure and the opposition does, this is AFL at the elite level, you'll get um, – you know, you'll find yourself behind the eight ball. Um, and that's the message he'll be able to bring forward that, um, you know, the players, it's evident. If you don't bring your um, pressure to to the game of footy, we're going to struggle. Certainly, we struggle next week. You saw that last week um, in the Cats um, Swan game. They're a, they're a good um, football team, and you know if we don't bring pressure on their ball carriers, they'll cut us up. Um, so I think, in some respects, it's you know I said that before the game that I, you know a five four five goal win is perfect. 
Um, you know, the serious footy teams win these games. It doesn't really matter whether it's scrappy, whether it's pretty, whether we should be flogging them by, you know, 12 goals. What does that what does that mean in the context? Is that we beat Richmond by five goals? Should have we only beaten them by three points because we're, you know, we're as good a team as them? I mean, it makes no sense, that sort of um, the, the, the sort of comparison. You, you win these games, you move on. Um, you know, I, I think in 2018, these are the games we were at risk of dropping, um, 2019-20 and obviously as well. Um, you know, at the end of the season, the, the the four points are the ones that are going to make or break a top four or even a, you know top two. The way we're travelling, but can't I just enjoy a game of footy without uh, pulling my hair out and being nervous that we're going to embarrass ourselves on on the yeah. not the big stage because I don't know how well, many people we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get them. We'll get those matches. Come you know the second half of the season. I know we'll talk about our fitness. That told told in the end. I mean, speaking of North Melbourne and reflecting on where they're at, and you made the point about where we were at, say with Neil. I mean, they made some horrible mistakes, didn't they? Like the the goal, the two goals that Fritter got out the back, um, where I think Zebel and I don't know the other North player went for it, and they sort of fumbled in each other. That was a, a shocker. And then when he the um, bald headed. Um, North Melbourne player barely made an effort it seemed like to get back on Fritz or had no awareness that Fritz was going to waltz past him into the goal square none whatsoever I mean that was that's the sort of stuff that you know we'd be talking about five years ago on the podcast saying well that's so typical Melbourne like that's the you know, but come the second half of the end of the season, the last sort of eight nine games, you know, our fitness and our strength will really start um, being a huge factor. So, um, you know, the, these teams, the North, unfortunately for them, they'll struggle big time come the end of the season where their young players start really feeling the the season, and we'll still be going fine. It was interesting. George, go go ahead. Yeah, it was just interesting that Ben Man mentioned the Richmond uh, uh, Footscray game. The um, I think it was in the, certainly in the first half. Richmond were three to four goals behind, um, and that that's just what's going to happen uh, at some some point in the game for every time every team. But as as Bin Man said, it it's all about the pressure. You just keep applying the pressure. If you're a seriously good good side, the the lesser sides can't apply the pressure. Um, they they will make mistakes, but they'll only make mistakes if you bring your best game to to the field. Um, we did in the second half, and the message I think is getting there um, slowly. It's hard for us supporters with a long ingrained MFCSS uh, history, um, expecting the worst to happen. But uh, this is a different side from what we've been watching, um, you know, in the Neil years that we talk about. And I know Andy will talk about individual players and performances. Um, the other fantastic thing, the other great takeaway from this match is who stood up um, in that second half. It was Jackson, Jordan, who went at 90% um, disposal efficiency with his 20 kicks. Jackson was enormous. It was Cozzy, his work rate, um, not just his finishing, but you know his incredible work rate. It was Rivers um, rebounding after a pretty average first half and um, you know performing really well. Of the senior players, it was really only T Mac who, you know, I guess played well in that second half. But 
it was really only T-Mac who I thought lifted and showed real leadership. The leadership and example came from those young players and uh, even Baker, who I, I thought played pretty uh, poorly in the first half, he improved in the second half. But, um, I mean, I think that's a great sign for the Melbourne Footy Club that um, those young players are the ones who really dug in and um, said, well, we're the ones who are going to make sure we don't lose this game of footy. Um, and in the absence of someone like Viney, who's a talisman, not playing um, and everyone else being a bit flat, um, you know, that, that was hugely important for where we're at, I think. And um, again, we'll talk about him, but Jackson was just enormous in that third quarter. He was just outstanding on a day where Gorn probably had his you know, poorest game for for 18 months almost. Well, perhaps not, but, you know, from last season. And um, uh, Goldie certain, certainly seems to have his measure often. Uh, George, I, I was going to pose uh, pose this to you and, big man, you can uh, jump in as well just in terms of Cunnington. Were we accountable enough uh, to him? He was sort of uh, waltzing... Uh, everywhere out of out of our forward line, out of the middle, everywhere. Uh, I, do, what do do we do anything to him? Because I, I don't think so. I think uh, I don't think we, we took care of him. Uh, difficult to say because again, we're watching this on television. Um, look, Cunnington's a be, uh, is is a good player. Um, he's been injured uh, earlier on this season, so he's only starting to hit his straps, and he managed to hit them against us. Um, those sort of players you're never going to really hold down, so it, was, it wasn't unexpected. But I think the the part of the problem was that our players, it, particularly the midfield, and again, probably to do with his structure, um, they were just so flat. Gorn was flat. Uh, Petrarca was flat, particularly in that first half. Oliver was holding things together for um, a large part of the game, but you n- you're never going to hold someone like Cunnington down all the time. So um, we, we'll face this again. Um, Sydney have got um, some very good midfielders as well, and I don't yeah, don't expect to to hold them down totally as well. So um, yeah, it's just just the 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 fall of the uh, dice in this case. Yeah, and I mean I. I... So what do you think the alternative is, Andy, that they could have run someone with him or tagged him? Oh, I don't think we had anyone in the team that that could do that. Uh, you know, the the one guy who, who I would like to do it, but they don't seem to do that with anymore is harm, so he's not in the team, but he may come back. But, but I don't know. Well, I think, though, that, that speaks, that's the point really is that We've talked about this a number of times, haven't we? Philosophically, Goodwin doesn't like to tag because you essentially give up one of your players. And it goes back to, again, without um, you know banging on about it, it goes back to pressure because if once everyone's pressure lifted across the across the whole twenty two players um, and the eighteen on the field, Cunnington's impact dropped off. Um, and so the answer isn't tagging him. The answer is everyone lifting their um, pressure rating, and um, he's you know he he will get pressured out of the game. So it's not just one player going at him; it's every you know that every time he goes near the ball, he's either being pressured or there's referred pressure on him. Um, and um, so you know that like you don't tag Cunnington; you just make sure that you you don't give him as many opportunities. I mean, the other thing is that they killed us in the first half in clearances. I mean, go back to that sort of chestnut and, um, you know, the centre square setup. So they were getting, he was getting good looks and, you know, he's a he's an excellent footballer, isn't he? Strong, 
built for that sort of um, game as well. They played a scrappy game, which we, you know, that frustrated us. I think frustrated our ball movement. Um, and you know, like I don't, they, I don't think they went down there thinking it was an easy game. It's just the sort of if people are off, then they're off. So um, yeah, I don't know that they needed to tag him or they just needed to collectively lift their um, effort rating. Yeah, I don't know why I I keep expecting uh, <laughs> the coaching staff to 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 change uh, what they've been doing because uh, you're right. That's what they do. They don't go out and tag. They go out to to win the ball and um, and curb their influence by us uh, getting first use of the ball. So uh, I just get frustrated at times because when it's not happening and when uh, when players are doing as uh, you know just waltzing out of the middle, uh, it's frustrating. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they'll probably send uh, Hibbard, I reckon, to Papley this week. So there's a tag for you, and they, you know they obviously will give Martin. So <laughs> you'll get a bit of tagging, tagging uh, pleasure. Maybe it's something we have to get used to, Andy. That um, good teams don't need to tag because you've got good players in the middle. Um, I didn't see too much tagging between uh, at, between Richmond and and the Bulldogs uh, game, and they they were you know probably two of the top four sides in the competition at the moment um it's the the lower teams that have to have put a tag on on players because you just can't afford as we were in the years gone by where sam mitchell used to get 40 possessions a game and nobody seemed to be on him but um yeah we we really don't need to supply tags when you've got the quality of oliver and petrarca in the middle and uh, other players like pickett playing in there as well it, it becomes a pointless exercise for us I guess it's because I have seen teams do it to us, to do it to Clary effectively, um, putting him off his game, scragging him, you know, just and, – and I don't know, maybe it's it's sometimes Clary gets frustrated and gets put off his game because of that. Um, I just – at times uh, when things aren't going our way, I feel like we need to do a bit of that too. Um, fitness uh, was obviously a huge factor, particularly late in, in the match. Uh, they look cooked in the last quarter and that was because they were flooding back so hard every time they they got the ball out of our forward line they were just confronted by a wall of demons and, and it just made their task so much harder uh conversely we were full of run right to the end um and it's just a testament to burgess and i cry myself to sleep at night thinking about burgess leaving hopefully we're we're taking notes we're stealing ip everything we can get uh out of out of this guy because he's been amazing yeah we hope he's got an apprentice don't we that uh stays on in the job uh but i i also think that uh we yet to see the best of um, the burgess programs as the season goes on and people yeah. get tired that's exactly uh, right yeah, when when the younger players in particular um, start to suffer from the injuries that but are still able to play, I, I think we're already seeing some really. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm super impressed with the fitness being shown by Cozzy in particular. Uh, Absolutely, uh, we'll talk about. We'll yeah. talk about. Um, for a guy who spent you know a considerable amount of time away from the club. Uh, with his family situation just pre-season, um, he's come back and he is in superb, uh, 
superb form, but also just his fitness is, is remarkable. For someone who's fast, you don't expect him, as, as we saw on the weekend, to be able to be involved in the play on the wing and still go and still go and still go and finish up kicking the goal. Uh, it was just incredible. So, um, yeah, all credit to the to the fitness department at the moment. But like I said, I think we're going to see the better of it towards the end of the season, which is uh, could well win us um, finals that we've been seeking for so long. It's absolutely spot on, George. That's when we'll get the full payoff. We already are. And, um, you know, it's not without some frustration you hear the talk about, um, you know, uh, is the game too long? It drives me nuts. Um, you know, it's been that length for I don't know how long, you know, uh, you know, probably around the half an hour, a quarter mark for ever and a day except for last season. Um, and, you know, just we've we've trained to get fit to play those quarters and we've got an advantage. And um, I meant to say a couple of weeks ago after we beat Richmond, um, I'd be pretty furious if I was a, um, a, a Richmond fan for the next time we end up playing the Tigers, is it Campbell? Who's not Campbell? They're, um, uh, who's their small forward, number 10 for Richmond? Castagna? No, not Castagna. I think it was Rioli. Um, he came out the next, he was interviewed on RSN and he was after the Melbourne game and they noted the, um, you know, shorter quarters, you know, he'd be supportive of them thinking they're too long. It's like, <laughs> you've just played Richmond, you've just played Melbourne. You know, um, and Scott was saying it as well. That he, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Look who's bleeding about it, Scott. Yeah. He's got the helpless bloody list out there. I mean, exactly. It's like, come on, you know. And so, I mean, they're obviously not going to change it this season, but it's exactly the right length. No, I'm not complaining. Um, Adam Tomlinson, um, excuse me, uh, injury's been confirmed Um you know, he's got the he's had got a, injured his ACL, missed the rest of the season. It's devastating. You talked about the emotion you saw on his face. Uh, he was putting together a great season so far, uh, and he's you know he must be devastated about you know about that and missing out on you know what as a team what we're building and what's shaping up to be a, a great year. Um, absolutely devastating. So he's. Gone down early. Luckily, you know, I think luckily we've picked Ben Brown in the team and that Frida was having a day out because we were able to throw T-Mac down back after he was barely sighted for the early part of the match. Um, how do you think T-Mac went in his roll down back? I'll start with you, B-Man. And maybe what do you think our back six is going to look like in the coming weeks and months? Uh, well, obviously, Tomlinson's not going to be there. Got Petty uh, in the in the twos. Um, and just on Petty, uh, I, I wasn't as confident with him replacing May, but I think replacing Tomlinson, and that's no, no knock on Tomlinson because he's had a fantastic year, but I like Petty maybe in the, the uh, Tomlinson role and still having May play May's role and Lever as the third man up, uh, B-Man. Yeah, just well, on, on Tomo first, it's just awful, isn't it? I hate seeing those sort, sort of injuries to any player. It's just... just just awful to think all the work that they must put in. And I remember the um, um, uh, Vanders talking about the injury on the podcasts and like in his rehab and how much work went in for years. And he's still back in his, you know, struggled hand, isn't he? And, um, you know, to, he, by all accounts, Tomo put in a massive preseason, worked super hard on his defensive game. Um, 
you know, I think that it's just awful. And um, he was, yeah, he was clearly devastated. So was everyone else um, around him. Um, and I thought they did really well, actually, to, to sort of put that to one side and move on. I guess that's what they've got to do. Um, how did T-Mac go going back? I thought he was terrific. He was fantastic in his ability to um, be proactive, use the ball much better than he um, did back in the day in 2017 that he got moved forward. Was it eighteen? Yeah, his kicking definitely has improved. Yeah, definitely uh, so improved. I hold my, my breath, but yeah. uh, it's much better. But um, he's not going back. He's uh, he's he's the prototype Frost. Frost built his game on the T Mac model of you know refusing to stay in the defensive back half, wandering up the field, taking speculative kicks inside the corridor. I can't. My heart couldn't deal with that again. So um, he's you know it's. It'll be Petty. And by all accounts, Petty and Tomlinson um, were both earmarked for that lockdown um, fullback, deep fullback um, position. Um, and on the back of a super preseason, they gave the nod to Tomo. And I think also um, Petty had a, a bit of an interrupted preseason as well. So that probably counted against him. But it was by all accounts, you know, neck and neck until sort of Tomo pulled away a bit. Um, so uh, Petty's a natural defender. He played most of his junior footy, as I understand it, as a defender. Um, I think he's a really uh, um, a star in the making. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's awful for Tomlinson, but I, I think we're in a very fortunate position with that um, position in the sense that it is a really important position structurally, as we've talked about a lot, um, and we've got the perfect player who I, I don't think will lose um, anything actually um, to have Petty come into that position. And you know, I think any talk of T Mac going back and filling that is um, is yeah, it's just not going to happen. It'll be Petty for one hundred percent for sure. And um, you know, I'm not sure what <laughs> what I'll do if I'm wrong on that one. But I just can't see. Um, I, I can't see uh, Goodwin doing it for his own mental health either. So, George, yeah, total, totally and utterly agree there. Um, for Tom Tomlinson, I think it was sad because it was such an innocuous injury. You know, it's, it's you can understand ACLs when it, it's a heavy collision or somebody lands on top of your leg or it gets trapped between others, but when it's just you know a landing off a off a marking contest and that's the end of your season and and your career for twelve months. Um, uh, it's pretty hard to take. I can imagine the distress that these guys um, have um, and what the prospects they have for the next 12 months of trying to get back on the field. Um, I think it, it sh- I spoke about it previously, but um, it took us a while to get that structure right again. I, I'm not because we we're watching on the telly. I couldn't tell when T Mac actually went back into the into the back line. I think for a start off, they tried to um, fill it from within so to speak um but uh when when you've got your structures which are dependent upon um tomlinson taking uh that in that role of taking out the 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 big defender leaving lever and may to do their their business um and you lose that you need someone who's capable of doing that um you're depending on people like the wingers to come up and and cover the spaces um the you probably saw the lack of um, output that came from the, the back line. They couldn't get the ball to people like um, Salem and and, uh, and Langdon um, to, to move the ball up the field. Um, so it took a little while whenever Tom uh, T-Mac went into the back line to get that structure back in place. And I think that's why we'll have Petty uh, back 
next week. Um, he trained with the backs during the preseason. Um, we've also got another 15 rounds to go. We don't want to keep um, chopping or trying to fill holes or putting band-aids over a particular problem when you've got the solution already sitting there. Petty can come in th- uh, this week and he can play 15 games and rebuild that structure that we've had um, uh, prior to Tomlinson's injury. So I think it's very important that we look not just to this week, um, we've got to look ahead for the for the future as well. And the other thing that happens is you take T-Mac out of the forward line to fill a hole, then you've got a problem up the other end of the ground as well. Now, in this game, we had it all over the field. We had all sorts of people in the wrong positions, and I think it showed until we stabilised things. So, um, yeah, for me, Petty, Petty goes in and the hole's plugged and it's well and truly cemented in place. Now, I don't want to burst any bubbles here, but are you aware that Petty didn't play uh, in the twos this week? And I believe some people uh, speculated that he might have got injured in the week the week prior against Richmond. Uh, do you have any more information on that, Philip? Nothing from here, but uh, in the coach's interview, he, he was almost putting Petty in for next week. Um, if you saw that, he said, you know, Petty will probably come in. Uh, we've got T-Mac as well, um, but he didn't seem to indicate that he wouldn't be available. All right, that answers that, answers that one then. We'll, we'll wait till Thursday because, yeah. you know, there's always that mystery injury of the week or something that just pops up like, like the Viney thing. And just on the Viney thing, I had heard or someone had posted, I think, was either on... Melbourne's social, one of their social things, or, or even on Demonland's Facebook thing, someone had written something earlier in the week, last week, that Viney had been had 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 scans done, uh, and then we didn't hear anything from. And this was just some random poster a person on um, on the on the internet, um, and then nothing else was said. And then all of a sudden, he's a late withdrawal. So, hmm, mystery injury of the week. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Andy, let's go. Just before, yeah, go uh, before um, we move on, just to reflect back on the selection for this week, um, we talked about um, would they make many changes and I was saying it's really important. I think that uh, they go into this with a relatively unchanged game and um, treat it seriously, not that they wouldn't treat it seriously, but there's no room to experiment or to, um, you know, make four or five unforced changes for the, you know, to give players a run or freshen up or, you know, it's showing, um, you know, a disrespect for the opposition for one, but how critical these next, this game and now the next three games are. Uh, you know, if re- reflect on the struggles that we had with the, the few changes that we did have, if we'd added another three unforced changes into that mix, we could have well lost that game. Um, you know, if we'd not, if we'd decided to rest, I don't know, Frito because he had a broken hand or, um, you know, or, or given chop out to Jackson because he's a young player who needs a break or, you know, Cozzy, oh, you know, any of them could have, you know, that decision could have cost us the four points, which sort of just reinforces the point I was trying to make last week about, you know, each game you have to look at the moment. We're not in a position to be able to, you know, to rest players for the sake of giving a break. After the bye, yep, I'd be all for that if we're still travelling and we've got top four, but this is our chance to to lock in a top four and you do not win flags from outside um, the top four with, you know, the, the dogs are the exception to prove the rule. Um, just on selection from last week, 
what did you guys make of I'll start with you George of uh of Jones uh unceremoniously was he unceremoniously dumped out of the team after the 300 was he rested managed how, how did you see that um to quote, to use a quote, I've got no idea. Um, <laughs> um, all of the above, possible. Um, look, Jonesy didn't didn't have a great game the previous week. There was no doubt about that. Um, and I think it's important, particularly when you've got a large group of young players and a large group of up-and-coming young players playing well in the VFL, that you don't, you're not seen to be gifting games to players um, just for the sake of their names. Um, Jones, Jones, he'll get his run. I've got no doubt about that. He's very durable. Um, he's obviously still in the mix. The fact that he was um, uh, named as the medical sub initially in this game, he's still in the mix. Injuries will come. He will get his opportunity. We've got 15 more home and away rounds to go. Um, he'll have plenty of chances to prove his worth in the, in the, in the coming second half of the season in particular. Um, so not, not surprising. Um, I think, uh, a couple of those up and coming ones last uh, last week uh, in the VFL, particularly Sparrow, will get their chances very quickly because of the other injuries. But not surprised that Jones is still there. He's still a very good uh, player. He's not what he was, um, but we just have to accept that. But uh, this is obviously his last season. He, I don't think he would even contemplate going around himself. Um, but we're going to see more of Jonesy. Just a semantics thing. I'm not sure whether he was going to be the medical sub because they don't make that decision till I'm not sure how far out from the game because they don't announce it on the previous day when they announce the team. They just announce four um, um, emergencies. So it's not clear of those four emergencies who was the sub, I guess, and what their thinking was. Um, I thought it was curious not to have Sparrow in there, but I assume that they wanted to give Sparrow a good run um, at VFL level and to to you know rack up some possessions is and he was fantastic I watched that Casey game he was terrific it looked a class above um at VFL level um and the sort of semantic thing is if I think they should call that medical sub the 23rd player rather than being admitted because you know almost 50 percent or 60 percent of the uh, games with a medical sub they're activated so um, you know, it's not quite the same as being admitted if you're coming in and playing as he did. And the games count towards your tally. So the medical sub, even if he hadn't have been activated, Jones, he would have had another game on his tally. So it's a, it's a bit of a misnomer to say they're dropped if the game counts um, towards your, your game total and there's a very good chance that you'll come in and um, play game time. So... Uh, that, and that may change the perception a little bit about, you know, dropping a player like Jones. I could see him being a, a really good medical sub, actually, because he's going to be come, come on and be strong um, late in games when maybe the younger players, you know, are wielding in the opposition. And he, I thought he was pretty good, actually, when he came on. Um, he, he tackled pretty hard and uh, went at the ball, and he was far from our worst player in the, that second half. And the experience that he brings and... Um... And leadership. Um, let's. Uh, I mean, with just on selection and and who who they bring, they must have known. I mean, Baker. They must. They brought him down there. They must. I, I think they obviously knew Viney wasn't going to play. I don't know if it was right at the end. Um, if he's had scans, they didn't have scans 
you know, the day before. So they've picked Viney and then Baker's come in. So I don't know. I think they had an opportunity to to play a Sparrow or a Bedford, um, someone that wasn't a winger, so to speak. Yeah, I thought it was curious to uh, selection decision. And, yeah, as I said, he, he didn't have a good first half and, you know, wasn't a fantastic second half either. All right, we'll move on. Um, uh, thoughts on Ben Brown's game? Obviously, he's going to take a few games uh, for him to gel with the team, uh, but I thought he did a couple of nice things. Uh, the delivery to him, uh, particularly in the first half, or probably the whole game, was atrocious. Uh, he did give a very nice tap-off to Frisch for a goal. Uh, I thought he was a bit unlucky not to kick that first one. Um, uh, would have liked to see the vision again. I think it might have cleared the line. Um, not convinced it was um, not convinced it was uh, touched on on the line, but anyway, uh, but yeah, nice of him to get uh, get a couple of goals, and uh, yeah, it's going to take a while uh, to get in. Hopefully, not too long, but uh, yeah, it's got to take a little bit of time to to gel with the rest of the team. Mm, I thought I was of the mind that maybe there's, you know, you could possibly play Wiedemann, Brown, Jackson um, in the same team, and T Mac in the same team. I don't think that anymore. <laughs> I reckon it's Ben Brown or Wiedemann. Um, you know, look, that ground is narrow as we talked last week and it worked against us actually because, it, one, it, um, it's easier for oppositions to clag it up and make it difficult to move the ball and flood as exactly as North Melbourne did. Um, I know he's done all right down there but um, previously, but it also obviously impacts the leading lanes and we like to lead out to the pockets and there's less space. Um, but, you know, he's he's not going to be a pressure forward really, is he? And he, he, he seemed a bit slow. So perhaps I'm, I was a little bit underwhelmed, but you know, maybe I'm being a bit unfair and, you know, it's his first game back after a fairly long injury layoff and first game in our team, obviously, um, down there in Tassie in front of his you know family. So, um, you know, I'm certainly not saying <laughs> he's... Um, He's not going to be terrific for us, but yeah, it's, it's a bit underwhelmed. And I can't. The main reason I don't think you can have um, Brown and Wiedemann together now is that he's not going to be a pressure forward. And and I watched the VFL game, and we was good, but he still didn't tackle. And um, you can't have two forwards in your team anymore that don't tackle. Um, and so it's you know I don't know. And he, he's not the most mobile player either. So yeah. Um, I don't know, George. What, what did you think of his game? I thought we got exactly what we paid for, so to speak. Um, uh, he's a leading forward. He can kick very well. Um, he was, he's got a great kick. Yeah, he's got a great and, and can kick from a long way out as well. Mm. Um, we haven't we haven't had a forward like that. Well, Hogan uh, for a short period of time, but we haven't had a forward like that for a long period of time. Um, the, the other players have got to get used to him as well. He's been injured pre-season. Um, so there wasn't the opportunity to be able to run the uh, patterns um, with the mids bringing the ball in and others bringing the ball into him. So we're only just starting to see um, the systems working uh, with him. He still kicked two goals. More importantly, I think, was um, Fritsch kicked six and Cozzy three, and I think you could almost give a few of those to Brown, yeah, Brown's bad. presence, yeah. that um, he was competing, Cozzy... Uh, roamed the pack a couple of times yep. off his directly, so um, it's going to be a nightmare again for the op- opposition defenders. You've got this great big 
uh, target that we've now got, and you've got these other guys that can feed off him. <laughs> it's it's going to be um, um, something very frightening for the opposition defenders, but it's a big positive for us. I think, um, like I said, we've got what we want wanted, and I think we I think if we're going to be serious in the finals, we've got to have that sort of player up there as well. We can't depend on um, someone like a Fritch being the major goal kicker going into finals. No. We've got to have something else. I think you make a really good point, George, about the importance of him bringing the ball get down and not just bringing the ball down. You know, if he doesn't mark it, he'll he'll bring it down, hopefully, but in a predictable way. Um, so forward of the centre, he's a natural forward that way. And, um, you know, the players as who are natural crummers, um, like Cozzy, they, they'll, know, they'll pretty soon know where to get to the fall of the ball in front of him. The other thing is that you can't underestimate the importance of an accurate kick. The second, both these, the long one that, that you mentioned, Andy, that got touched on the line and then his other long shot um, from, you know, that was probably, what, close to 45 metres out, just went arrow straight, didn't it? And, you know, that's it makes such a big difference when you're taking your opportunities. Just as we saw with um, uh, T-Mac last week against Richmond and even the goalie kick from the same spot um, against the Hawks, that... You know, taking your chances when you get them. Um, and Fritch this week, he was dead eye dick as well. So it, it makes a massive difference to um, you know, a team that's forward half footy that looks to trap the ball in, which is another thing, by the way, that we didn't do at all well in that first half, is to take those chances when you get them through accurate kicks, just super critical. If you count his run-up, it's uh, probably about 70 or 80 metres, uh, the kick. Um, you mentioned the pressure, uh, forward pressure. How important is it from your key forward to be doing that? Understand guys like Nibbler and Spargo and, and Melksham, you want to see that, uh, the, the tackling, you want to see the forward pressure and keeping it, keeping the ball in. Uh, how's import, how important is it for someone like Wiedemann and, and Ben Brown to do that? I, I I wouldn't have thought it's as important. Obviously, you don't you want to see good efforts from them defensively, but I don't know. For me, it's not um, it's not high on the priority of what I want to see from them. Well, it's not as important, but it's still important. And you've seen that with T Mac this year. He, I thought his pressure um, has been. He, I think his pressure has been terrific this season up in that forward half. And it's not just the sort of tackles, but it's the little hands in the contest and not giving up on a contest and um, and tackling when there's the opportunity to do so. So yeah, of course it's not as important. But the problem is that you can't. You can't have more than one player who's not applying that sort of level pre- uh, level of pressure, which is why, uh, you know, I think that I've come round to you can't really have Weed and Brown in the same team because, um, you know, the two of them means you've got two players not putting on sufficient pressure. Um, with T-Mac out of the forward line uh, this week, it also meant that Ben Brown was often double teamed. I don't know, did you notice that? And that sort of made it a bit harder for him. So having, whether it's Weed in there or, or T-Mac as well, uh, changes that dynamic a little bit. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know, like you said, George, I don't know when T-Mac went out of the forward line, but um, I don't think it was straight away. No, but no. It was in the third quarter, I reckon. He was just missing from the forward. So he wasn't sort of, I don't know what the what the setup was, but uh, it, it, Ben Brown seemed to have two guys on him every time the ball went in, yeah. in there. Yeah, and North Melbourne would certainly know the way he plays as well and how to, how to um, uh, negate his influence. So, uh, yeah, I think it was Walker was hanging off him all the time, basically, from 
I think someone said, um, you know, from holding on to his hips rather to stop him uh, getting that leap because once he jumps, nobody can stop him. He, he's two metres tall and he's got a great vertical leap. So um, stopping getting up in the air is the, is the whole plan. But um, we, did, we didn't help out. You know, there were a couple of kicks to him, one from Baker and another from A and B, which were absolute utter shockers. Um, he was on his own in inside the 50 leading and they missed him by 10 yeah. metres. Um, there was one we got a goal from actually where Baker put it on his head. Yeah, uh, ended up going out the back to Fritch, I think, for one of his gimme goals. So, yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, look, I'm being um, a bit too tough, and I think he's a player who would be perfectly suited for the MCG. Yeah, um, because he will have that width and that space, the corridor. He, you know, he'll be able to lead more directly up the corridor or, or on an angle and have um, some space to lead into that he. Um, that he's not going to get it in narrow ground like the one he played on the weekend, or not as much. So, um, you know, in in terms of a, a player suited to the G's, perfect. You remind me a bit of Bennett, actually, tall um, and sort of runs in straight lines and uh, a huge kick, an accurate one too. Bennett was terrifically accurate. Accurate. Uh, I was just trying to have a look because I remember. Uh, yeah, here it is. Um, can you see how many games? Not sure he's played too many games at the G. Yeah, so he's played the majority of his fo- footy uh, at at Docklands. Uh, he's played sixty six games uh, at, at uh, Marvel. Um, he's only played ten at the MCG. Most of them, I think, are against Melbourne. Um, he's played nineteen at uh, at Blundstone, where where we just played them. So he's played more there in Tasmania. Uh, than he has, and in particular Hobart, than he has in uh, at the G. Yeah, so he'll love the G, and he's an MCC. Or he'll be an MCC favourite, won't he? Uh, sort of the, the the hair and the um, you know he's got cult hero written all over him. I mean, he's almost played more at the Gabba than he has at the G. So oh, sorry, I just uh, dropped my pen. Um, uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on. I might uh, add if you do want to join us on the show tonight, have that ability. Um, uh, 03901636666 we love hearing from Demonlanders and fans of uh, the podcast so uh, give us a call um, let's talk about some individual efforts uh, uh, Fritch you know capitalized on every opportunity end of the day with six goals one behind from six marks uh, if not for some more accurate kicking this year uh, and had he not missed the week with the broken hand, he could very well be in contention for the Coleman medal. But uh, now that he's going to miss another week, uh, that's going to be a bit difficulty, a bit difficulties. Kicked 18 goals, eight this year. Um, and just a shame that he's going to miss uh, next week. Uh, how, how do we cover him this week? He's going to be, uh, he's going to be out. So uh, what does our forward line look like now? Uh, if, if Petty's going to come in, uh, it means T-Mac doesn't go back. Do we just play Ben Brown and T-Mac or do we bring Wiedemann in? I know you said you can't play him in, but now that Fritch is gone, I what do we do? Do bring in a, a crummer? Or... Uh, uh, well, I mean, Melkstrom is the player that um, when Fritch went out, um, it seems to me he's the player who can stand up and get you two goals just as he did um, against the Hawks. 
Um, I can't see why they just wouldn't revert to that with, um, um, you know, you've got Brown, Jackson um, and T-Mac, that's fine, and uh, Melksham. You know, I think that they don't need to bring Wiedemann in and um, I, ho- I hope they don't because, you know, they're a fast-moving um, team, the, uh, the uh, Swans, um, and will be needing to put that, you know, their game is very much um, quick disposals, quick kicks, um, and if we don't put pressure on on them, they will beat us. I, I have no doubt about that. If if we put that level of pressure um, as we did uh, on the Swans as we did in the North, that you know the Swans will be six seven goals up at halftime, um, and we won't be coming back from that. Um, so you know, I, I just don't think you can have Brown and Wiedemann in the same side. They're not going to drop Brown because I mean. Leaving aside anything else, he did kick two goals, and um, and as George noted, um, set up a few. So um, you know he's not going to get dropped on that performance. Where that leaves Weed, I'm not entirely sure, but um, I, I, well, I hope they don't bring him in. I just think that it's two two players who aren't going to pressure enough, and you know I don't know that they need to bring um, another player into. They could just uh, roll um, Melksham back. I would have thought. Uh, Cozzy. Uh, oh, wait, before I go on to Cozzy, uh, Fritz, should, should, we, um, should we be taking this further? Or will, will we? I, I don't think we will, but uh, should we, George? I don't think we will. It's, um, uh, the, the AFL has shown head-high contact is going to get you a week. Um, uh, regardless, um, it, it wasn't a good look on the television. Um, yeah, there's been people suggesting that he was trying to protect his broken hand, but really it was a forearm straight straight to the other guy's head, who was taken off the ground. It's not a good look. You're going to get a week for that. Um, it, it wasn't a comparison, I don't think, with the Hawkins incident where Hawkins threw his elbows back. Um, the the it, it's just something you can't do these days and get away with it. And unfortunately, the match review is inconsistent. Um, but uh, I don't think appealing uh, a positive decision from the MRO is going to get you anything uh, in the current environment. Yeah, I'm really, uh, yeah, I I take your point particularly around the hit to the head, but, I mean, not reckless, and then reckless, it's a fine. Um, And, you know, the Dangerfield last year in the grand final, that was much worse than this, and uh, he got off. And when that's as you point out, George, the the problem is the inconsistency, and the frustration is it's one person sort of subjective um, perspective on an incident. Um, it didn't look great, though. I have to say, uh, you know. And I, at first live, I didn't think it looked so bad, but the replay didn't look good. <laughs> he did. He had the option of not um, elbowing him to the head. So yeah. he was always going to be in trouble. Um, though the, the question I'd have is, for both of you, I guess, is what's the downside in, um, apart from the 10 grand that you put up and lose if you um, lose the case, what's the downside? Yeah. Have a feeling, I mean. Can they? But I, my yeah. understanding is Can you don't. Week? No, you, no, it's not still anymore. a week. So the worst case scenario is, Maybe some reputational thing about the D's kicking up a storm, but you know, I don't know that that would be well, certainly not amongst D's fans. Um, the worst case scenario is ten grand down the um, kicker, but 
if we win this game because Fritch is in, well, you got your ten back, grand back and more. Um, so you know, I'd appeal. I, I like. I hear what you're saying, George, and I'm not sure that I disagree. And um, um, so perhaps I'm being a bit cynical, but I can't see w- what the downside is apart from the ten grand uh, in a, um, in putting up an appeal and trying to get it down graded to reckless, so he gets a fine um, and can play on Saturday night because it's going to be a super critical game. This one, you know, obviously to keep our streak going, but they're a team that we want to keep down below us. Um, they're a contender, the Swans, and um, we want to beat them. Um, and we're a better chance of beating them with Fritsch in the side. So for me, I'd be appealing all day, every day. If you want to contribute to the Kickstarter campaign <laughs> that I've just started, <laughs> um, I've just seen on my Twitter feed uh, on the couch have talked about, um, uh, they've said, um, uh, they've used the Patrick Dangerfield uh, uh comparison with Bailey Fritch. I haven't listened to it. It's 47 seconds. Maybe we'll just uh, play this for a second. Uh, Let me cue it up. Uh, Here we go. Fritch has been outed by the tribunal for a week. Do you think he should appeal? I reckon they're going to look at it. Um, You know, our thoughts on head-high contact and we don't condone it. Mm. It was really instinctive. It was quick. It was ugly. Yeah, there's a school of thought that Petrak have sort of pushed power, so power was lower. And, you know, whether they'll look at the precedent, that I oh, know precedents don't always work, whether the danger field will come into it They're or not. They're allowed to so, use them now, though, guys, at the tribunal. They are? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't really get involved in tribunal too often, but, I mean, when you look at this, there's a push from Petrarca. He's a bit lower than thought. That's instinctive. Look, if he wears a week, he wears a week, but mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go and have a, and ask the question. Clearly an accidental. Bike on uh, the left got off, bike on the right got a week. A bit of a shame given he's in such uh, unbelievable yeah, form. There you go. Yeah, I, I always disagree with that mob, but I, <laughs> yeah, on, this, on this occasion, seeing they're backing up what I'm saying, I think they're geniuses. <laughs> All right, let's let's, let's move on. Uh, watch this space, Ozzy. Kids electrifying. We say it every week. His his work rate is outstanding. Uh, one of you alluded to that before. Uh, there was one play in the third quarter, in particular, uh, where he ended up running into goal and and, and kicking it. He started on the wing, was involved in a few handballs along the chain and he just kept running and running and he was rewarded in the end. Uh, it's kicked three for the match. Um, seems like he's got a good tank on him for, for a young kid. So um, more of that, please. I mean, it's, it's only just the beginning. Amazing tank. And at the end of that run, to have the fitness to balance up, take a few steps and kick it straight through the centre, I mean, how often do you see players having put that sort of level of effort in and then just at the last, you know, just needing to kick the goal, just haven't got any gas left in the tank and spray it to the right or left? Um, he, he was phenomenal. That handball too, too that set up um, another one of Fritch's six goals uh, was a thing of beauty, albeit the ball looked about a foot outside <laughs> the boundary line. Uh, I think half the team stopped, but, you know, that was a terrible bit of play was Melksham-like corralling effort on Jackson who um, got it over to Cozzy and it was a magic. There, there seems to be a skill that a lot of players are doing that um, handball into the ground that gets through a, um, underneath almost a, a player's hand, opposition player's hand, and it's just so clever. Um, it's a basketball move, uh, mm. George, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. The, the, the thing I really, really like about Cozzy is uh, – 
not only is he spectacular, we've got um, plenty of players in the competition who are probably just as good and uh, as him, but we've finally got one ourselves, is that in that third quarter, he turned the game with those two two um, goals, basically off all off his own effort. Well, and we, Jackson. Jackson and, and, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got a, a match turner, which is more than a, a match winner. Um, so... It's been a long, long time since we've had someone of that capability, you know, probably going back to the Aaron Davey sort of years in just quickly off the top of my head for someone like that, of that capability, um, just to turn a game all off their own boot. Um, so it's remarkable that we've got him. It's fantastic that we've got him. Great, re- fabulous recruiting again by Jason Taylor. Um, uh, what was he? Pick 12, I think. Uh, uh, Cozzy? Yeah. Eight, wasn't it? I don't know what it was in the end. Up, yeah, all the, it, it was, wasn't an obvious one to everybody, um, but fabulous to have him in the side. Um, uh, he's going to keep people coming through the gates for a long, long time. Absolutely. And one of the things that um, sort of backing up what you're saying, George, is yes, he's flashy, does the magic thing. We're going to have lots of Cozzy, the Mozzie, all of that sort of stuff through his career. And, you know, he's hot, you know, he'll take his share of, of screamers. Um, but what excites me as much as all of that um, electric um, play is two things is, as um, Grapeviney pointed out um, four or five weeks ago, his footy IQ is off the chart. He is a natural footballer who, who knows where, where to be in a contest. He knows when to go up a level. But um, the thing I really like about him and Jackson and Rivers and Jordan um, is just their competitors. They're really, really strong competitors. He's pulled his head in a little bit this year in terms of um, how fierce he is at the um, uh, when he tackles. But he is a, a, a young fellow who doesn't like to lose contests, let alone games of footy. Um, and he he really did um, will himself, didn't he, George, in that, that quarter to sort of stamp himself and make a difference, uh, as did Jackson. I thought Jackson was phenomenal in that third quarter and um, really showed a level of maturity but also a competitiveness to say well you know I'm I'm going to I'm the man here um I'm not sure what the deal with with Gorn was but they let um Jackson pretty much run um as the ruck in that third quarter for uh, I I'd be guessing um but it seemed to be 60 to 70% ruck time in that third quarter uh, and he's you know did some beautiful moves and um his hands were fantastic so Two players are really competitive. You know, they really want to win. And um, Cozzy's in every contest. He doesn't give up on any contest. And that goal, even though that ball was probably added, um, um, he's desire to stay in that contest and make something uh, and ultimately make a goal um, is it, just you can't you got to buy, you can't buy that. That's just absolute gold. And then on top of that, all his his individual skill and brilliance is just icing on the cake. I think um, I like the, the uh, commentator's uh, uh, statement that uh, it was Wayne Harms was the boundary umpire in that particular game. <laughs> uh, so, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, go. Yes, go. I was just going to add some more about Luke Jackson. Um, uh, I think we've got to talk about him. So congratu- firstly, congratulations to his to him for his Rising Star nomination, a second one in, second in, one, yeah. in, his, in his particular case. Um, I think this was one of the best coaching moves I've seen. I was going to say that. Yeah. Kudos, whoever did that. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't just putting Luke Jackson into the ruck. It was, I think, what was happening was that um, uh, Goldstein was negating Gorn. Uh, basically, um, we've come we've become used to Gorn marking heavily around the ground, not only getting the hit outs, but really having an influence around the ground. By putting Jackson into the ruck for that long period of time, um, they basically took Goldstein out of the game which was the critical factor. Um, Jackson was better than, I think their ruck, their second ruck was Tom Campbell. Um, and Jackson was so much better than Tom Campbell, whereas if they'd left Gorn in, Goldstein would have at least negated, maybe even beaten Gorn in this particular game. So that was a brilliant coaching move on on, on behalf of the coaching panel just to, um, to get him in. Jackson then topped it topped it off with the, you know, the icing on the cake with his performance. You know, all of a sudden we've got, an extra midfielder in there. All of a sudden, we've got a guy who's who's putting pressure right up the right up the ground, and and it's easy to forget just how few games this guy's played. Again, yeah. Jason Taylor must will be chased by all the other clubs um, when his contract runs out because anyone who's able to pick up uh, this quality of player and 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 I think Jason Taylor put put his hand up to. Um, to, to get Jackson, he knew how good he was, and Cozzy as well, and Rivers as well. Um, he really put his neck out um, to get these quality players. And, uh, boy, are we seeing, seeing the benefits of that. Um, and the other one is Jordan. Um, Jordan, of course, yeah. player, 90% disposal uh, efficiency of his 20 possessions. It just He just keeps racking him up. And, um, you know, he does – he play, He reminds me so much of McDonald, so um, – James McDonald. So it's you know, a terrific number that they've given him and um, uh, he he really is a clever footballer and that goal he kicked um, was, again, high footy IQ to get the ball on the boot so quickly. He knows where the, go- uh, the goal is uh, and he was set up beautifully for that um, row from that – I think it was – I can't recall if it was a, a marking contest or it might have been a um, – a, a ball up, um, but it was just super clever, and it was really important timing. We really needed a goal at that point to yeah. to sort of edge ahead. Yeah, all of those players, Rivers is the the other one. They all look like they've played fifty to a hundred games, and that's like you said, their their footy IQ is just remarkable for players who are so young, and it's backed up by the skills that they've got as well. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Imagine, imagine once they've played fifty or a hundred games. Um, yeah, that, that's what I'm excited about. Uh, just back to Luke Jackson. Uh, you know, I'm often critical of the the coaching team not um, not making moves, uh, sort of out of the box, sort of stuff, and and not not terribly out of the box because he is a, a ruckman. But to do what they did, uh, yeah. Uh, Clap, clap for them. Uh, he had an absolute mammoth third quarter. He had about 10 or 11 disposals, um, uh, you know, provided that chop out for Max. Uh, 22 disposals, his most ever. Uh, two marks, seven hitouts, two clearances, six score involvements and the goal. Um, and then just, just on uh, – uh, you want to add something to that? I was just going to say, Andy, you can say it. Uh, kudos to Goodwin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I'll give this. I'll give this one to Goody. Thanks, Goody. <laughs> just, just quickly on on Jordan, uh, and I mentioned last week because I see his name. He's, I see his name constantly being thrown up, and, and not so much on Demon. This is more on social media as one to get dropped. Everyone 
people on Facebook continually just say, "Drop Jordan." I don't know. I don't know what these people are seeing. I don't know what game they're watching. He's really putting together a, a good little resume. He's obviously not as flashy as Cozzy, um, but he's definitely in our best twenty-two. Um, I think you mentioned he had 20, 22 disposals and his disposal efficiency is fantastic. But seven tackles as well um, is is great because he's not just getting he's not just getting the the disposals, but he's 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 uh, putting a lot of pressure on the opposition, and I, I really love him. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, just looking at the disposal efficiency, uh, Hibbard. McDonald, who played at least half of the game down back, Trent Rivers and Langdon, who pushes back defensively um, pretty hard, and James Jordan, who um, um, plays a lot off the sort of half-back flank, as I've pointed out before, all north of 90% disposal, disposal efficiency and all up around the well, except for uh, Rivers who only had 13 possessions, the rest all 15, 16-plus possessions. So, uh, And that's really good from Langdon because, uh, you know, the knock on him was that uh, his disposal wasn't great and I think I've seen it improve out of sight uh, definitely this year um, uh, on last year as well. Yeah. I didn't see much of him before uh, at Frio, so I can't really talk to that, but that was the knock on him when he came to Melbourne. Yeah, and just uh, well, he wasn't on the running sheet, but... It'd be a bit remiss for not to. Um, uh, oh no, sorry, it's next up, Annie. <laughs> Oliver. I was just about to say. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to even just gloss over Oliver, but uh, yeah, go go for it. I, I I thought you know he obviously lifted in the second half. He lifted, and- yeah, he he was a big factor in the second half, and he had um, seventeen contested possessions. And I don't know what the split between the first half was and the um, second half. Um, he, he was terrific in that um, second half and won the ball. And it was interesting, the commentators made a point um, about him standing way off the at the centre bounce, way off the um, the, the centre. Um, and they were making the point about, I think Simpkin was on him and the, taking Simpkin away from the ball. And um, it was actually, I think, a really great example of how we're setting up and how the point it's time made when he called in about the, um, the way we're spread so wide at that centre clearances, which is can it's risky because there's space for them to win it. If they win it, there's a chance they're going to run into space and be able to deliver it into their forward line as they did a couple of times. Um, but if we win it, he's hitting the pack at pace from distance. So he's got a full head of steam up when he hits the um, contest and he's really so much more damaging as we've talked about this year. Um, you know, he's been a really much more damaging player and for a player of his ability to take that, next step is I think it's been huge for the club and um, the other thing that really jumped out for me is that he kicked uh, two on the left foot including the goal that he kicked was a left footer wasn't it Um, Mm -hmm. and another kick to Petrarca that unfortunately Petrarca I don't know what happened they were red hot on calling players um, um, to play on and it was a gorgeous um, weighted sort of 45, 50 metre kick off the left foot uh, into space that track ran onto. It was a fantastic kick. And I can't recall Oliver kicking very often on the left foot. I, I, I might be mistaken there, but it, um, both of them surprised me and both of them were brilliant kicks. Uh, we've got a caller. Uh, good evening. You're uh, on the air. Who am I talking to? Hey, this is uh, Garbo. G'day, Garbo. How are you going? All right. Uh, yeah, just wondering your thoughts on um, Spargo and uh, Alex Neil Bullen in relation to uh, what they bring to the team 
um, above and beyond just kicking goals uh, and what, a, what maybe the team might look at as far as bringing someone like a Kyle Chandler or, or a Bedford or something like that in, in their place. Well, we've uh, you know in, in the past few weeks we've been talking about uh, the pressure that that, that both of them bring. Uh, I don't think uh, Neil Bullen bought that pressure this week. I don't think he had any tackles at all. In fact, I think he he got yeah. caught with the ball probably three or four times himself. So he he really let himself down this week. Uh, I I liked Spargo's game um, more so than Nibbler this week. Uh, boys, do you want to uh, weigh in? Uh, George, I'll go to you first. Yeah, very unimpressed from A and B this week. I think he had 10 possessions uh, with six clangers. Um, he was on the end of a couple of uh, possession chains that he just completely and utterly stuffed up. Um, I think uh, uh, the only reason that he'll stay in the team this week is because we've got a number of other changes that need to be made. Um, Charlie Spargo, however, is completely different. Um, when he tackles, you stay tackled, and that's utterly important uh, these days, the way football's being played. And again, if we're going to lose Fritch out of the forward line, we need to have uh, that's those sort of players in there and doing their job uh, uh, like Spargo does. Um, uh, he chips in when he needs to do, and his delivery is actually quite good. So... Um, yeah, um, much prefer to have a Charlie Spargo in the side than an A and B at the moment. Uh, yeah, I disagree, George. I think, um, yeah, sure, he had a, not a great game. It's his first average game of the season, Nibbler. Um, he's been – he's at best 22 lock. He's not going out of this side, um, particularly off the back of one one average game. Um, on the MCG on Saturday in the open space – um, if you go to the game, just watch him for a while. Watch the running he does and the patterns he runs. Um, it's not just the distance he covers. That's probably the least of it, actually. It's the high-intensity running to put pressure and referred pressure on. Um, he wasn't the only one in our team um, who didn't put the, the right, anywhere near the right levels of pressure on um, who, or who made mistakes. I thought Brayshaw was was as bad, if not worse, than Nibbler. He, was, he looked like he'd smoked cones before the... The game. Um, so, yeah, I, I reckon there's a one of the interesting things about Spargo is that I'd urge people to listen to Garbo. It would be a good one if you have not listened to it, um, interview that he did after the Richmond game or perhaps it was before um, on the MFC site. And it's the Talking Points one, I think it's called. Um, and he talks about the pressure that him and Cozzy put on um, Nibbler's um, um, been highlighted by Goodwin a couple of times as being a key leader at the club. Um, and it's not just his work on field, but it's his training um, uh, standards off field and the effort he puts in uh, on the track. He's all three players, Cozzy, um, Spargo, and Nibbler, are really important to how we play footy at the moment. Um, and there's not a chance in Hades that um, Nibbler's going to get dropped or he'll, he won't get dropped all season. Garbo, what do you think? Yeah, I guess I guess I was just wondering yeah, how much leeway they get if they're not kicking goals, um, given they are forwards. Uh, press is obviously a big part of their game, but uh, you, you want to see them get a few every now and again. Well, it, it, listen, it, it talks to that point, Spargo, in that interview, and basically goals are way down the list of KPIs for those players. So they create goals, um, and we've been we've scored over a hundred points, I think, in every game this 
uh, season. Um, certainly, we've been offensively a threat. Our inside 50 scoring ratio is huge. Um, and that's what you want to see collectively, the team scoring, not individuals scoring goals. And um, their pressure their, and their inside 50 pressure um, is really probably the fundamental, one of the fundamental factors in our scoring. So I, I reckon, Garbo, the, the, their goals, except for Cozzy, you'd want him to get it because he's a, he's a crummer. Um, but um, particularly for Spargo and Nibbler, I don't reckon goals would even be on their, you know, the top two or three KPIs that they'd be um, um, asked to produce. Uh, anything fair, else, Garbo? Fair enough. Uh, yeah, probably similar thing on Melch. And what do you reckon his uh, KPIs are and his role is in the team? Because he seems to, I don't know, drift up the ground a fair bit. And I don't know whether that's his um, his strong suit. Like, if they're going to play him in that role, you'd be better off, you know, with a Sparrow or a, or another mid Harms, for instance, um, rather than uh, rather than him if he's if he's not in the Ford fifty getting getting the ball or, or, or doing much there. I'll give that one to George. Yeah, he doesn't, oh. he doesn't pressure the ball. Yeah, this, this your your favourite player. Yeah, this is most unfair. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, I've, for a long time I've said Melchin doesn't supply sufficient pressure. That the way the game's being played in the modern, in the, certainly in the last couple of years, um, he's looking too too often for the cheap kick out the back to that people notice um, when he gets it and is able to get it, but he's not doing enough work for my liking uh, in the forward line. Um, um, I'd. Yeah, he was he was selected a lot of times last year on the back of I don't know what. Um, his tackling was virtually non-existent, and again, he's starting to show the same sort of characteristics this year as well. He just doesn't run hard. You, you when you see the ball coming out of the forward line, you'll see Melcham trotting along behind, not going at full pace. That that sends a really bad message, I think, to the to the rest of the players. I reckon it's an excellent question what his KPIs are because, as I say, I think it's pretty evident um, what um, Nibblers are and um, Spargo, and Spargo says as much in that talking points. What Melks are, I'm I'm not sure. I wanted to watch. I didn't get a chance, um, and I urge anyone who's um, uh, interested in watching individual players. um, I've mentioned this before on Demonland and I think the podcast as well, AFL Pro Vision on the AFL.com. Uh, it used to be for live pass mem- uh, members only. Um, it's now open to anyone um, and you can watch the vision of every involvement uh, of a player. And I meant to do it of Melksham's because, um, you know, I was really down on his performance last year and his uh, lack of pressure, his lack of tackling. His numbers were appalling last year for tackling. I think he only had, you know, eight or ten tackles for the season, something crazy like that. Um, and he's, he's, had, he's had three tackles this week. He's had yeah. 17 six marks, uh, those those numbers are better. Yeah, better, that's right. Last Which is why I wanted to watch his vision because because I'm, you know, for me, I've, I'm worried I've got a pretty solid confirmation bias against him and, um, you know, he's such a good kick when he when he hits it and he did hit a couple of really good kicks on the weekend. Um, so I do want to watch that vision to, to see, but I think it's a really good question as to what his KPIs are and um, I would have thought they are score involvements. So how many score involvements did he have this week? Uh, I'll, I'll bring that up in one sec. Uh, he was involved in a nice play. There was a nice play where where Jackson uh, sort of got the ball on the wing, did a beautiful turn, 
uh, on his left and he's found Melksham who took a really nice mark sort of coming through a pack and then he's kicked it, almost put it down Ben Brown's throat uh, but uh, it didn't come off. Uh, score involvements, uh, hold, on, hold on a sec. Yeah. Going down the list, I can't see his name yet so can't be too many. He had four, four, four score yeah. involvements. So, yeah, look, not too bad. I mean, when you look at score involvements, 10 for Bailey Fritch is obviously it's kick 6-1. So are they, I presume yeah. they're um, all seven of them score involvements. Um, but, you know, Pickett, 9, Track, 8, Jordan, 7, Jackson, 6, Gorn, 5, Oliver, 5. So, it's you know, if it is score involvements, he's middle of the rung there. So, you'd, you know, I think it's a really good question, Gubba. Anything else, Garbo? Yeah. No, that was it. Just, uh, yeah, just keep up the good the good work, yeah. Thanks, mate. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Thanks, Garbo. Cheers. That was Garbo. Um, great call. Uh, if you want to join us on the program while we're still up and about, uh, 0390163 I'll go to bat for Nibbler, but um, <laughs> it's a big ask for me to go to bat for Melksham, but... I am, as I say, I sort of do have this concern that I've got a confirmation bias. So um, I, I will look at his vision to see um, what it's like. And, yeah, again, for anyone who's interested, it's a great way of watching, seeing a player, you know, see what they did during the game because it's all their involvements, including their pressure acts. So, you know, a player who's only got maybe 10 disposals might have 15, 20 involvements on this vision. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's a really good way to, to sort of, to have an un, you know subjective view of um, sorry an objective view of how a player is played. While we're talking about uh, vision, um, and we were talking about kicking before, how, how we've got a, a number of players that we've identified with sort of over ninety percent disposal efficiency. Um, I'd encourage people to have a look at. Um, there was a clip last week uh, from Burgess in the injury report. And uh, if you look at the background while that report in while that injury report was on, they had um, kick to kick at training, um, and uh, Choco Williams has set up um, a sort of a set of goal co- posts, probably only about a meter or two apart, and the players not not only have to kick to kick. Uh, as per normal, but they had to kick it through this one to two metre space. So um, I think we're starting to see some uh, effects on the field of uh, uh, constant training um, to improve the kicking, which uh, I think Ben Mann has been very supportive of over the years. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned Langdon, um, Andy. His kicking is 100% improved. And um, the goal he kicked, um, the set shot goal he kicked, didn't deviate it went straight through and he seems to be more aggressive like he's going for goal more often um he but 100 he's he's kicking has improved a lot this season and um it's no mean feat for a player at his um stage of his career to to go up a level with his kicking it must be a pretty difficult thing to do and you you have to say that williams has had a big impact in that space he's kicked seven goals three uh, this year, Langdon. Um, last year's kicked uh, two goals eight, mm-hmm. so that's a that's a big improvement. It's almost rever- the reverse, um, and it's only what seven games in. So, yeah. um, and his field kicking's better too. He's um, he's been much more reliable. So, um, yeah, uh, George, as you, I mean, it's obviously a 
bugbear slash pet hate of mine. And um, but there's makes such a difference when you and you see the opposition when they were turning it over, and it's like flashbacks to some of the periods where um, you know our kicking's been poor, and it's definitely improved. I think they're going for. Um, less really risky kicks uh, and it's um, there, there's a lot of 20 meter kicks um, that was really evident against Richmond last week I thought um, but players like uh, J- uh, T-Mac in particular for instance he's not going for things outside his sort of range and even um, Hunt similarly has been I think his kicking's improved quite a lot and it makes a big difference for him because he can undo so much of his good work if he turns it over in dangerous positions um, so it, it makes a massive difference to you know those scoring chains not breaking down and um, and obviously not giving turnover goals. Yeah and we're seeing it actually up forward as well if you remember the early games uh, where Cozzy you know, had plenty of opportunities and just seemed not to be able to find the goals. Um, he's He hasn't missed um, all that often um, in recent games, but also Fritsch as well. Um, Fritsch was, for me, a, a 50, 50% um, uh, chance of getting from a set shot. Well, he's been dead eyed mm. the last couple of weeks and it's just his progressive improvement across the ground with all of these players and ultimately that's going to win your games as as probably that happened in this game. You know? yep. uh, that, that goal that Fritsch kicked, I think it was the second one in the third quarter, he needed to nail that to keep the momentum going and it was just arrow straight. So um, yeah, we, we're seeing it across the whole, whole board and I think... Um, uh, the recruitment of Williams might have been one of the masterstrokes again in the off-season. And it's interesting to say that um, the thing you picked up in the background of the injury report, that's a good pickup, George, um, kicking through uh, like almost a funnel. He's um, kicking had, a, had developed a bit of an arc in it um, and the ball flight, I mean, Fritsch, um, and he seems to be kicking it a lot more, you know, much more arrow-like um, and Langdon as well. Yeah. Um, I was just going through my notes. I don't think we need to really talk about Max. Obviously, he didn't, had one of his worst games. Uh, he can forgive the big guy. Um, hope he bounces back. Um, the only – Viney, with Viney being out, um, how are we going to cover that? Um, For me, the I obvious mean, one is Swallow. <laughs> you did Sparrow, it again. Sparrow. <laughs> Swallow's not so obvious. Um, Sparrow's much more obvious. Anyway, you know who I mean. Bloody. Um, well, we're going to miss that. Gr- we're going to miss that grunt. Um, I like Sparrow, but uh, yeah, we're yeah that- miss that grunt. My more bigger concern is it's a foot injury again. Yeah, well, that was my next point. Uh, we've seen that uh, rear its ugly head before. He missed a lot of footy uh, in 2018 before he came back for the finals. Yeah, I really hope. Um, they're saying two to three weeks, but we've seen two to three weeks turn into longer. Um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully it's um, it's not a break, apparently, from what they were saying. Uh, I think it was today or yesterday. Um, but It's but a hot spot. It's a hot spot, on, yeah. On his toe, which is yeah. that different to his foot? I guess the, the, it's not the plantar fascia or... Yeah, we yeah. we need Weber to call in and give us a, an accurate diagnosis. <laughs> Doctor or physio zero three nine zero one six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but, go ahead. Yeah, Sparrow seems to be the uh, the logical um, player to come in and replace him. He's he's a he's a genuine mid. He I think he had thirty two possessions this week. Um, the small bit of vision that I've seen from the VFL, he was in everything. He was. He, uh, I watched that game, George, and he was he he was solid, made good decisions, and he seemed to be really a real want, as um, they like to say. Um, he was contesting hard and he looked like he'd been told to go back go for it um and you'll you'll be back in the seniors soon enough but um you know get get your 30 odd possessions and um you know you'll be back in the in the big show um pretty soon that's how he played the other player that um it's interesting we haven't spoken about at all since he'd gone out very little sort of discussion about him on demon land either uh who played in that games was harms coming back um so he you know, he must be a chance in the next few weeks, but I, to be honest, I'd have Swallow ahead of him, not least um, because Harms is coming back from a uh, – sorry, Sparrow. <laughs> not least because Harms is coming back from a break. But Harms played a – I thought he played a funny game in that in that um, Casey game. He looked a bit selfish, took a couple of shots at goal where he had players on. Um, and, you know, the coaches aren't looking for him kicking a goal from 45 metres. They're looking for him doing the team thing and hitting up the short 25-metre target to, to make certain of the goal because he, he missed both or you kick one of them and miss, uh, miss the other. Uh, it's it's hard when you're playing the opposition that we were playing. We absolutely murdered them. It was uh, over 100 points and it's probably hard not to lay rise. Well, that it wouldn't be hard if you want to get in the seniors in and that's what you're told by the coaches. You're not getting in. If you if you play selfish football, you're not getting into my team and um, that's what Goody would have been. like. Well, I'm sure he would have got – he probably would have got that uh, that talking to her definitely after the game. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the um, I think the important thing about Sparrow is structurally he's the right player. Um, he's he's a genuine mid. Um, when we didn't replace Viney with a genuine mid, we yeah. saw the the flow on effects. Yeah. Uh, this week, if we put Sparrow back into the middle, uh, that means that. Um, Brayshaw can go back to the wing where he's more more comfortable these days. So there's all these flow-on effects that I think um, we need to bring into the consideration, not just not just the next player who's available. Thank you, uh, thank you. Oh, oh, oh there I am. Um, these uh, the no fifteen play on call. Uh, is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's, it's it looks like it's an attempt to keep the game moving, but uh, the inconsistency uh, that's applied with it is, is just a joke. And I get I get that uh, the umpires aren't uh, you know living breathing tape measures, uh, but it's just to be on the joke beyond a joke. It's, it could have cost it seems to have cost Geelong the game and boo hoo to them. But uh, I, I would have been absolutely Cry me a river. Yeah, I would have been absolutely livid if that was that happened to us. If if we had taken that mark, um, and, and then a couple of the other decisions or non decisions were equally frustrating. Um, and uh, you, you just know that next week they'll move on to some other silly rule that they they're spruiking that week, uh, and they'll forget about that one. But that's uh, just that it's a part of our game in the adjudication of the game that's so frustrating. And we saw it with that protected space uh, in the last few years. Some weeks they were hot on it, other weeks they didn't care. The uh, deliberate out of bounds as well. It, it's it's a it's a joke. I don't know how you fix it. Um, it's a mess. I must be in an argumentative mood, but. Um... 
I actually like the fact that they're calling play on it. I'd, I'd rather them um, get it wrong, err on too long than too short. I can't stand those 10-metre kicks, um, you know, so I, I was happy for one that Geelong lost that way. Um, that thrill, <laughs> that was just terrific. And it was actually, I've mentioned a few times on Demonland that we've had some luck this season and, of course, we lose a player with an ACL, so I, I better shut up about that. But um, we placed, it was great that Sydney won that game because they'll come in off the emotional high having beaten Geelong and now we get to play them, whereas if they'd lost a, a close one, um, it changes that sort of psychology of the next game. Um, so I think we've got them at a good time in terms of, of that um, and, you know, I was absolutely thrilled that the Cats went down. So um, I'd, I'd, put, I'd change the rule to 20 metres, to be honest, because those short, dinky 10-metre kicks just drive me insane. Which would you prefer, Andy, the... The current rule or a genuine 20? I think a genuine 20. I mean, it, I, no, I'd prefer consistency <laughs> even across a game because sometimes yeah, you see them, that, that's, I, I don't care what it is, it's just a bit more consistency. And I, as I said, I get, I get that they, they're not going to, you know, they can't get a tape measure out at the time. Um, but yeah, maybe make it 20 so it at least looks, um, the ball's got to move a bit further, but. But yeah. the, the frustration a bit is those sorts of, you know, the, the, they get a memo and then there's a game or two that they're hot on a particular rule. Like the other one that does frustrate me that from this game is how quick they were to call play on. Uh, and it seemed to be random, like, you know, players weren't moving off the mark. and Not at all, Max. At one time they just said play on, he hadn't even moved. No, and track as well. And it ended up causing track could have kicked for goal at one point from about 45 metres and he was sort of looking in board as they do. And he cool. called play on and it, he looked confused. They ended up kicking in on the full or, or near on the full. Um, yeah, and it's like they've got the memo during the week, they're red hot on it and, as you say, Next week it'll be forgotten. There'll be something else that they're focused I on. Think, I think it was in the first quarter. Melksham took a mark sort of on 50 or just outside of 50 and we went back to sort of have a shot for goal or or, or the, and they just called play on. Yeah. I like, think I, move it on. Like you got to ask him, are you having a shot for goal? I, I, <laughs> think, think, all, all, I think all of those were just a complete um, mistake by the umpires there. Um they're not allowing the player to actually go back behind the mark if, if, after they've taken a mark, um, and they're assuming that because they know they're not on their mark, that they they have to play play on. The Petraka one was particularly like that. He'd taken the mark, had turned backwards, and was actually going back to his mark when they called play on. Uh, it was um, incomprehensible, complete, completely wrong call, I think. And it was completely befuddled him as well. He, yeah, and you know, he, he was. He wasn't sure what was going on. Yeah. I also think Max was treated quite unfairly uh, in some of the rock, rucking contests, and I understand that players hold each other, but he seemed to be getting called on it more. Um, and yet again got clobbered around the head and got no free kick. Yeah. You know, he went down. He was down for a while, actually. And then there's the, I mean, Oliver almost in every ball-up contest is being held and scragged. Uh, and then the one time that he sort of just lays any hand near anyone, he gets a free kick against him. Anyway. Uh, Enough point. about umpires. All we need is not to have Matthew Nichols, Nichols uh, umpiring our game this week. We don't is want he him. Old bloke? That's him. Yep. <laughs> no, norm, like norm, normally it's free kick Hawthorne. 
<laughs> All right, well, anything else from this game before we uh, look at the uh, Sydney game? No, that's no, bank the four no. points, move on. It's a really <clears throat> good win. I'm, um, you know, I, it's, I'm not being facetious. I think that's a really important um, four points and, um, you know, we'll get a lot out of the fact that those young players are the ones who led the second half revival. Um, uh, well, let's talk about uh, the Swannies game. Uh, quick changes, uh, George. Changes for us or the changes for them? I think we've identified our preferences. Um, I think Sparrow and Petty are the ones that would come in naturally. Um, like I said, they're, structurally, they're the right people for me. Um, I don't know what we do about uh, Fritch, though that's the question, uh, whether we just leave it as is on the uh, interchange bench and probably Jones, another um, game under his belt this week to, to bolster the bench. Um, but uh, I, I think that's going to be the difficult one, what's done up forward. Yeah. Uh, B-Man, before, before you go that, B-Man, just uh, with, you, with Jones being the medical sub, what, what are your thoughts on the um, you're banking the game? Um if he plays medical sub and there's going to be games where you don't get on it. Well, actually, it seems like all the medical subs are getting on these days. But um, if not, uh, in terms of the uh, games record for the Ds, how, how does that stack up? Is that an asterisk? No. Um, no. Well, not if they count it as a game. Can't, I mean, yeah. you know, they don't have – no. I mean, I think no. if they count it as a game, I, I, I don't – that's why my point before is that they should say 23rd man. Um, and counted as a game. It's either a game or it's not. Um, you know, back in the day, I, I don't know what they used to do um, was, uh, before What's my that? time, <laughs> but when they didn't what? have interchange where they had um, reserve, do they count those games? George, that's your, oh, your oh. <laughs> closer to you than, than me. I, I don't know. I really don't know exactly, no, because sometimes the 19th and 20th man didn't get to come on the ground. But did they get the game counted towards their talent? I don't. I don't know. We need Super Mercado yeah. out there. We'll need. Um, so look, if they're going to count it, you know, then it should be twenty third man. And I, I, I think it's a it's a specialised position. Given we've not had to um, uh, bring our sub in very often this year. In fact, I, only twice. Am I, am I right in thinking? But. Um, yeah, a lot of other clubs are. Yeah, across the board, I think it's 50 or 60%. So, um, you know, I think he, as I said before, he makes a really good um, sub. So in terms of changes for me, um, Petty in, as I said before, and number 32 in, um, <laughs> I think that um, will successfully appeal Fritter's um, suspension Ooh. for a week um, and uh, he'll play. Big call. Um how do you see the? I haven't got any notes on on this game. I'm uh, fading fast, but uh, how do you um, how do you see the game going, Bim Man? Uh, just briefly, I, I think it sets up for um, an exciting game of footy. They they their whole game plans around moving it quick, um, and um, so you know the corollary of that is for us to stop that movement and the way to do it. You know, I think I'll play the word pressure bingo tonight, but. If we bring our pressure, we'll break it down. And I made the point at the top of the show, the fascinating thing about the um, 
the uh, Bulldogs Tigers game was that I was really curious to see how um, the dogs handball style would um, uh, deal with the pressure of that the Tigers would bring, and I'm, I'm super pleased that the Tigers brought that um, because I think that's their weakness. Is their their model um, the tiger uh, the Bulldogs model is so built around those short little half throws, half handballs that you know that they're. They, they can do that five, six, seven times in 30 seconds um, to work their way through traffic. And when it works, it's brilliant um, and it's really hard to stop as it was in the first half. Um, but when the pressure came up, their system fell apart um, and they did exactly what Richmond want every team to do and we refuse to allow ourselves to do, which is the dump kick into their um, um, defensive unit. With, and it was instead of Floston, who was a big, is a big out for them, it was... Um, uh, what's his name? The the other big Richmond defender who whose name is Bolter. Sorry, Bolter. Bolter. Yeah, Bolter just kept on taking mark after mark, and it was like you know that's exactly that frustration that you know we often felt it's like well is, is why we're we just kicking into the opposition. Yeah, it's exactly right, um, George Bolter, and that, that their whole game plan collapsed uh, and just completely played into the um, Tigers' hands and the you know that notion of getting the game on their terms that's exactly what richmond did by turning up the pressure um and the the why that's relevant for this week is that the um the swans aren't as reliant on small handballs not you know note that's a really unique way that the dogs play are super difficult to to pull off i would have thought you need really highly skilled players and a whole bunch of really highly skilled kicks who could you know take their way through traffic and hit targets but what the swans do rely on is those sorts of um, high risk kicks into the corridor and um, on the angle uh, and running fast um, so the way to stop that is pressure. If we don't, if we don't bring the right level of pressure, um, I, I would be surprised if we win the game. Uh, if we bring the pressure, I think, and without offensive structure that we've talked about a lot, um, you know, they're going to find it hard to score against us like every other team. But it all comes back to that contest, and um, if we can do that, we'll win. Uh, if we don't, I think they will. So uh, I, I think it sets up to be a really exciting game. I like those games where you've got two distinct styles, um, that you know, head to head, and that's what this will be. The the other thing the Swans bring to the game is they start really hard. Um, they they um, once they get their nose in front, they try to defend a lead rather than extend it. Um, they tried it unsuccessfully against GWS, but uh, GWS was always going to to beat them because the Swans had simply stopped, but it was because they got off to such a good start that they uh, Longmire's got these really strong defensive structures and shut it down type of play, uh, which suits the SCG particularly well. But yeah. you don't yeah. you don't want to give them you know a two three four goal start because they just won't let you back into the game. Um, so it's important that we start well this week. Um, I don't think Rampy's back, uh, so they're going to have horrible problems with Ben Brown. Um, uh, Franklin's still very doubtful, although I don't think I think Franklin's a shadow of what he used to be. Uh, th- their real scoring power is from their smalls yeah. uh, up forward. You know, Papley, the yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not quite sure who we're going to be able to uh, play on Papley. I yeah. think Hibbert might get the job, yeah. but Papley's very mobile, so it'll be interesting to see that contest. I think Hibbert's a, a absolute natural for um, um, Papley, particularly coming off um, the job he did on Martin. Papley's 
you know, he's the, exactly the sort of player that's our Achilles heel. And without Jets, since Jets has lost his speed, you know, Lockhart's maybe the heir apparent in that role, but he's he's obviously not um, up and going. Um, um, Hibbert's really the obvious one for him. And the thing about Papley is that you give him one or two goals, he's a terrific player, but he doesn't get enough of the footy. Um, mm. so, so if you can keep him to one or two goals, then his impact outside of that um, is going to be limited. It's when he gets off the chain um, that's when he's really dangerous. So, you know, if, if he gets two goals and 12 possessions, it's job done. So I think they'll they'll put Hibbert on him. Um, but they've got some super talented young players, which I hope will come out and physically smash. Um, so I think that if we bring our heat um I think we'll blow them off the park, actually. I think we're a bigger chance of winning this game by seven, eight goals um, than we were last week. Um, if we get on top and we, um, you know, if we do knock them about, um, take our chances, uh, this is a game we are a good chance of kicking away. Andy, your, Andy, your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that uh, the they need to bottle um, B-Man's positivity and sell it <laughs> at the demon shop because... Uh, I need some. I need some of that. Um, you guys will be familiar with the uh, embarrassing records thread that's been going on Demonland for uh, quite a long time. Uh, we've been slowly uh, ticking off a lot of uh, a lot of these embarrassing records over the last few years. Uh, one glaring one that we've got at the moment is Sydney at the G. Uh, we haven't beaten them there since 2010. I believe that was when we did thump them, and I'd love to have a repeat of that one. Uh, we drew with them in 2011. I think that was in a round one game, and we've lost seven straight at the G uh, to them. So we need to take back the MCG um, against Sydney. So, oh, Good Lord, how do you know all of that? That's, <laughs> that's... Well, I, I was stealing that information from the thread <laughs> that I just mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, Uranus, uh, uh, that's uh, that was his his contribution. And my horrible memory of Sydney is I think they'd lost twenty two games in a row um, when they came to the MCG one year. I can't remember what year it was, uh, and we managed to lose to them. That that thrashing that you mentioned, where we beat them up, was that under Ruse? Uh, no, no, that was. Really coaching Sydney, wasn't he? And yeah. um, it, we really did a number on him and he was talking as, uh, about, you know, that we were um, going to be premiership contenders and on that sort of discussion we had last week about whether we're the real deal or not, we, we might have been a real deal for one week in Rusey's mind and maybe they got into the club, but <laughs> 11 years later we're, we're, we're not quite there yet. Been a lot of false doors. It's been a lot of not real deals, but yeah, we did we did do a job on them that day. All right, uh, I think we're going to leave it uh, leave it there this week. Uh, thank you, uh, George. Thank you, Binman. Uh, uh, Andy, just one just one more thing before we finish. Oh, yes, we were talking about um, yes. Um, so speaking of that sort of conversation on real deal, there was a thread on Demonland during the week about the podcast, and thanks for. For the feedback on that, um, I, I opened that um, thread up with a bit of trepidations. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but there was a, a talk about the sort of tactical discussion and game plan, and we thought that um, it would be a great one to open up for uh, uh, around the bye um, or in the bye week to have it a, it a review of the um, the season up until that point um, and have a focus on. Um, um, on, on the game plan, some sort of key tactics and statistics and invite people to sort of have that discussion who are, you know, um, 
who there's some terrific um, posters on D Milan who really drill down and um, access of Bob Titan Uranus. There's um, AF. There's uh, It's Time. Uh, Growl. There's a number of uh, uh, Dazzle. Daryl as a dazzler, um, you know, some really good posters who have got some really good insight into to the footy. So we thought we might do a bit of a deep dive into what our game plan is, what what the identifiable Melbourne brand actually is, and see if we can pull that part a little bit. Yeah, so I'm going to open it up to those guys, see if they want to come on and talk about it. But if you are a listener of the show, if you're not on Demon Land, get on Demon Land and and maybe uh, you know PM me or or, or if you. You've, you've found the show through other means, uh, through Facebook or, or somewhere else. Uh, hit us up there if you want to join in on that conversation. Otherwise, uh, you can listen to us talk about it. We'll do it in the week of the bye. Uh, mid-season review, um, we'll, we'll do that def- definitely and looking forward to it. And if you're not a regular poster to Demon Land, there's a, a thread that pops up, um, a game plan, tactics and all that jazz thread that has some really um, good discussion about sort of that, that element of the game strategy and um, uh, and also lots of good links to um, articles and uh, there's increasingly some interesting stuff on uh, radio and podcast and um, that the drills down into some of that, um, that part of the game. Excellent. All right. Thank you, boys. Thank you, B-Man. Thank you, George. And thank you, Garbo, for uh, for calling in. And uh, we'll be back next week, uh, hopefully talking about a sensational win, a top four uh, a blockbuster. Uh, hopefully it'll be a great game. All right. Uh, go, Dees. Go, Red Legs. Yeah. Football machine to take us to the top.